Alessandra. Did you know that our podcast is called Out of Our Vulcan Lives? I was not aware, but now that I am, I'm going to listen every week. Every week, because we are a weekly Star Trek podcast. I'm going to subscribe on Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. Stitcher. Are we on Stitcher? We're on Stitcher. Really? Yeah, we're on Stitcher. If you've got Stitcher, you can listen to us. Wild. Um, the other ones, I guess. SoundCloud? No. Oh. <laughs> What a disappointment. Um, but yeah, we're the only Star Trek podcast um, on the internet, really, which is surprising for me because it's, it's it's a fun show. It's such a bizarre gap in, in, in mm. the internet. There's no other Star Trek podcasts, uh, but also you shouldn't check. Don't, yeah. Don't check. Like, just believe us. We're, we're a reliable source. Yeah. You're a journalist. <laughs> I think you're being generous with that description. <laughs> And the episode that we watched today was, I'm looking at it now, Tomorrow is Yesterday. Nice. Um, which was a very plot-heavy episode. A, a lot happened. There wasn't a lot of fluff. Yeah, but at the same time, there are only like three things I want to talk about from the episode. <laughs> um, so I feel like we should do like a synopsis, get that out of the way, so I can talk about... Yes. Well, starting from the beginning, I have an interesting fact to reveal <gasps> unto you. Great. Love it. I will shine the light of my facts upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you recall The Naked Time? How could I forget? I know. It's, it's a, my favourite episode. It's a great episode. Amazing episode. Um, and if you recall the episode, uh, the Enterprise is orbiting a planet, but the orbit is decaying and they run the risk of crashing into the planet. Yes, I remember. When they finally get control back over the ship, uh-huh. they burst out of orbit and some weird stuff happens and they actually go back in time by like three days. Yes. So... Originally, the end of The Naked Time was supposed to lead into this episode. So it would have been a two-parter where at the end, they accidentally slingshot themselves back to the 1960s. I see. How fun. Yeah. Which I think is cool because if that had panned out, maybe Star Trek would have been more of a serialized show than an episodic show. Mm, Which I don't think would go as well in the 60s as it does now with sort of serialized television and streaming services. That's definitely true because I keep bringing up Deep Space Nine, but that... <laughs> You're wanting to skip as many episodes as possible so we can get to Deep Space Nine. I just want to make this a Deep Space Nine podcast. <laughs> you know, this was your idea. Like when we were talking about podcasts to do, I was like, what would you like to do? Because you're the expert in more things. And you're like, all the Star Trek, let's start from the very beginning. This could have been a Deep Space Nine podcast. You could have made that happen. Well, the thing about Deep Space Nine is it draws a lot on stuff established in Next Gen. So... You kind of got to watch Next Gen. But we could have made it a Next Gen podcast. Yeah, but Deep Space Nine's better. <laughs> okay, but so the thing about Deep Space Nine, it was broadcast from 1993 to... Great year. Or maybe slightly earlier. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in the 90s. And, you know, people didn't have streaming services. They didn't have TiVo. That's a thing, right? TiVo? It's like a thing where you, where you could record things. Sure. You could set the thing to record when you went out. Yeah, Okay. And Deep Space Nine was very serialized. Like there was story arcs across the whole seven season show. Mm-hmm. And it definitely it's suffered. seven seasons long? Yeah. Oh boy. Next gen, DS9, Voyager are all <sighs> seven seasons long each. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Like right, about cool. 26 episodes per season. Okay. All right, cool. Sick. It's going to be go. okay. It's going to be great. You'll love it. Um, <laughs> yes. The glee on your face. <laughs> really beautiful. So point being, yeah, serialized shows didn't really work until streaming services and recording was a thing. But 
I feel like it could have been cool if Star Trek, the original series, had more, like, arcs, you know? Mm, potentially. Anyway, but, like, anyway. this was also another episode that was written by my gal, DC Fontana. Old Dorothy herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, woman writer. Female writer. Mm. Love that. Also wrote Charlie X, which was, like, an interesting episode. I know we don't talk about the other Star franchise on this mm. show. Did you know Empire Strikes Back was written by a woman? No, because I, I don't know anything about The Empire Strikes Back. No, I don't know why I phrased that like in a way that <laughs> it implied that you would know it. I've never watched a Star Wars. But it just and I don't care to start. That's fair. That's fair. Um, that's our next pod. <laughs> no, um, I don't want to watch any Star Wars. <laughs> I already know too much about Star Trek. You love it. I actually do. Can I tell you? You finish your thing and then I'll tell you what I was going to say. I was just going to sum up by saying that uh, women have been hugely influential in science fiction ever since its inception. Mm. So, Well, the inventor of sci-fi, as we, I mean, we could argue, was a woman, Mary, <gasps> Mary Shelley. Shelley. We stand. Yeah. We stand a horror sci-fi queen. Yeah. We love it. Speaking of Star Trek. <laughs> you have to remember the name of the franchise. <laughs> I was trying to make a better link, but I was going to say, um, I've actually, since, uh, was it last episode or the episode before where we were talking about the uniforms and the shoes and the jumpsuit, I was like, I want to buy that outfit. I want to buy the Star Trek boots because they're just amazing. And every time mm. I see a full body shot of someone wearing the boots, I'm just like, yes, love it. I tried to buy the boots. It was a nightmare to find it. And like, I wish the Star Trek shop had them, but they didn't anyway this led me on to finding out about how women had an impact on this series of star trek generally because i've found myself on a bunch of listicles about did you know about the uniforms of star trek and i found out why the women in star trek wear those really really short dresses you thought it was another creepy gene roddenberry i never thought that didn't you think didn't you say that when we were talking about it earlier like was it gene who made people wear short oh. I asked if, if yes. that's what you found out. No, but what it was is it was um, our friend, I want to keep saying Yeoman Rand, but what's her real name? Grace Lee Whitney. Grace Lee Whitney. When she was put in the uniform, which was originally meant to be the pants and the shirts like the men, she was like, no, my legs are too good for this. I need to show them off. <laughs> like, guys, you need to look at my, my legs. They look amazing. And she was the one who pioneered the mini skirt for the women in Star Trek. So I think that's really cool. That's great. Women influencing stuff. Love it. Even though we won't see her again anytime soon. Oh, I'm so upset. Still, her legacy continues to influence the show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Should we jump into the episode? Let's go to the episode. Do you want to give us a summary of what happens? Okay, so there's a lot. It's a lot of like back and forth. But yeah. um, uh, important to note, this is one of... Yeah, the first time travel episode in Star Trek history. Um, Except for the one where they go back three days in time for no reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> That's a good point. That sowed the seeds for us. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said to you earlier, one of the things that most surprised me once I'd watched all of Star... Or like once I got into Star Trek properly, there's a huge amount of time travel. Okay. Like every other... No, not every other episode. It happens a lot. Uh -huh. And often it's usually just back in time to the time that the series is set is was filmed in. Okay, so does that happen in other series as well? Yeah, in in uh, in Voyager they go back to the uh, late nineties, early noughties. The fashion is fucking awful. <laughs> and Sarah Silverman has a cameo. Really? Well, 
quite a major role in that episode, actually. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's fun. How fun. I, don't, I quite like Sarah Silverman. And she's pretty good in that episode. She's funny. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. Um, so, yeah. So, the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. We never actually see this happen. The episode opens with them in the 60s mm-hmm. over Earth. But they've been flung back by the gravitational pull of a black star, which Don't is... Don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. It's, um... No, I'm going to go into detail about the technology. <sighs> um, so, the... No, I'll skip it. Yeah, um, a very famous uh, bakery in uh, Paddington has sent them back in time. I presume it's called Black Star. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. It's a deep cut for fans for our of padding, that. our Paddington-based Paddington. listeners. <laughs> if you live in a specific suburb of Sydney and you listen to this podcast and you like pastries and shit, that's you're for you. fucking losing your mind right now. God, can you imagine what they're like? <laughs> This episode, I'm just going to free associate. I'll be like, ah, oh, Black Star, like that other thing I've heard. That seems like a great formula for a podcast. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'll try to keep it together. Let's see how that goes. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Enterprise appears over 1960s Earth. They are detected by the US Air Force. Mm-hmm. God bless America. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, do, we do record this in the wake of um, Remembrance Day and I think the US Veterans Day and... Whatever. It's got to be a, on a day. Yeah. Why not today? I mean, fun fact, this is our 13th episode and we're, we're going to release it on Friday the 13th. Spooky. Try not to get scared, listeners. Ooh, don't get spooked, guys. We really got to stay on topic. Don't get spooked. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't want to talk about the ins and outs of the, the plot of this episode, but we have to at least lay out the basics. So for people who listen to this... Mm but aren't familiar with the episode can at least have some semblance of an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. So go, keep, keep giving us a story. Yep, 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 yep. So the Enterprise uh, is detected by the, by the Air Force. Um, a plane pursues them. They try to tractor beam the plane, but it breaks up. They teleport the guy on the ship. Um, the guy's like, oh my God, what is this? I'm on an alien spaceship. What the hell? He's pretty chill with it. And Everyone is very chill. Yeah, Kirk's surprisingly chill. Uh, with fucking with the timelines. He's just like, hey, this, we're from the future. This is our ship. <laughs> Have a look around. Touch everything. <laughs> um, talk to everyone. I feel like there's a... Stare at my boyfriend Spock and he's weird ears. Extended scenes of him staring at Spock. Yeah. And Spock just um, passive face, you know, staring back. Like, mm. He's used to that kind of thing. Yeah, he's like, even in this timeline, people stare at me. Um, there was a, a really brief background uh, in the background uh, Hura's kind of showing him around the bridge this Captain Christopher John John Christopher Christopher is what they keep calling him but... Captain Christopher John mm. of the US Air Force mm-hmm. Uhura's showing him around the bridge and she's kind of pointing stuff out I feel like there's a moment where she like moves his hands away from the buttons and like no no don't don't, don't touch, touch the buttons okay, buddy. <laughs> okay. no and then basically they're like, okay, buddy, you can't go back to Earth because it'll fuck the timeline and you'll tell everyone that we exist and you it could be a problem. Much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then they find out that his son, who hasn't been born yet, is going to man a thing to Saturn yeah. or whatever that's apparently pivotal in space A very travel. important space mission mm-hmm. to space. So they're like, shit, we've got to take him back. Then they go down and they have to like, Remove all of the recordings that were sent from his airplane or jet or whatever they're called. That's uh, fine. <laughs> we have a friend who works for the Air Force. If she <laughs> listens to this, she's going to be screaming. 
furious. Gonna be like, no, they don't know anything about planes. She'll react as strongly as our Paddington listeners. I know. But in the other direction. The other direction, she'll be furious. (laughs) Izzy, we're sorry. Wait, does she listen? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Izzy. Too cool for our bullshit podcast. Shit, what was I saying? Wait, I just came up with a genius idea. Yeah, yeah. We shout out to all of our friends on the podcast, thus guilting them into listening. Mm. Because we tell them that we shouted out, gave them a shout out. Yeah. Uh, my friend Lauren messaged me the other day and was like, in all caps, sent me a message going, shout out me on your podcast. So here you go, Lauren. Take this. Fucking, here you go. Dedicated 80s fan, 80s music fan. Loves 80s. Lauren. Not yep. quite in this period yet, so we've got to wait until 80s. Oh, We're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. We're going to get back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ship breaks down. Oh, shit. Okay, so they've got to beam them back onto Earth to take the f- photos. I don't all, care. All the, all the information. I want to explain what the what the plot of this episode was, but I don't care. Okay, Can wait. we take a pause at this point? Yeah. So we're there fucking with the timeline, all this sort of stuff. I want to talk about the horniest moment because okay. that's all I really care about. So while they're having a meeting with this guy that they've brought on the plane from the 1960s where they're trying to decide what to do, Kirk decides he has to record shit on his little recording device and it is a horny computer. <laughs> and that's the B plot of this episode is that the computers are horny. So he like turns on the computer is like, computer, make a recording. And it's like, yes, dear, mm, recording. And... <laughs> I love it. And they're like, oh, we took our computers to a planet full of women. And they did this. Uh, they made our computers sexy and horny. Uh, the <laughs> and the guy from the this. 1960s is just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's bemused. He's bemused. He's just like, guys, get it together. Sort out your horny computer. Kirk is so cross about it, though. He, every time the computer calls him dear, he gets so cross. Ugh. Um, I, I do want to point out a very a very positive moment towards women mm-hmm. um, when they first welcome Captain John Christopher on Captain Christopher John mm-hmm. on board, um, and he like openly stares at a, a female crew member walking mm-hmm. past, and he's like a woman, and Kirk goes a crewman, which I mean, not a man, but whatever. But still, like Kirk's trying to be like, no, she's just here as a professional doing her job. Yeah, and it's in this weird era of like. I'm not a historian and I'm also not very smart. So that could be wrong. But it's in this era of like female empowerment where they just decide to make women masculine. And like she's wearing the short skirt and looking babin. So like that's not what's going on here. But the fact that the, he calls her crewman and like, I don't know, you can't create equality by just making everyone quote unquote gender neutral. And this isn't a comment on gender neutral people or people who don't use he, she pronouns. Like, that's a whole other thing. But I'm talking about, like, if we're if you're wanting to even out the playing ground and, like, make everyone equal and make everyone sort of quote-unquote neutral, that just means making everyone masculine. And, like, I don't like that. I don't think it's making them masculine. I think it's just the fact that they, in the 60s, would never consider gender-neutral terminology. They, yeah. They'd never say crew person. And I don't think it's because they intended to or thought they were making her masculine. Mm. I think it's just because they were like, well, (laughs) and you know, you could almost be generous because I don't know what the writers were thinking, but you could almost be generous and say the fact that they didn't call her a crew woman (laughs) is, I guess they didn't want to single her out as female, something like that. I mean, in Voyager, Captain Janeway, the first female captain to 
lead a Star Trek series, she's like, you can just call me sir because some dorks making a huge deal about calling her ma'am and like mm-hmm. being awkward about her being a female captain. And she's just, just call me sir. <sighs> yeah. So, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just need to make up for like decades and decades of like misogyny and just gender everyone as female <laughs> in like professional settings. Yeah. Everyone's ma'am. Uh, everyone's a crew woman. Oh, we could just ban gender. Gender is cancelled. Mm-hmm. Cancelled. What are you going to do? Pronouns are cancelled. Sue us. <laughs> there is no way to refer to people without using their names. Mm. Names are cancelled too. <laughs> you are just comrade. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with this, the energy in today's episode? Last episode was so tight and professional. I know. And, and then today I'm just... I don't know. I think like I just don't care about the plot of this i care about the horny computer oh and i care about the weird cop he (laughs) was great (laughs) so when they go back down to earth and they have to go like oh okay we've got to delete delete remove any um evidence that we existed so the guy that they got from the jet was like oh i took pictures and there were recordings of me describing the the ship they must have those and so kirk and sulu go down Mm. and they're like oh shit we gotta like get these recordings and there's the campest looking like security guard i guess of Um, this top secret military base i think like air force police yeah and so he's got this like velour like uniform like with cropped pants and like high boots and he's got a little hat on and he's got a belt he's got his little gun as well and he's like stop it <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure military police back in the day did have outfits like that but it was I, I don't... really bright blue it looked yeah. very silly I, I don't think it's super historically inaccurate i think that's what military police uniforms looked like back then you but i love what? it i'm not gonna look it up and i'm just gonna believe you and that's gonna be canon in my brain until someone proves me proves me wrong canon for real life yeah yeah, yeah. historical canon oh, no <laughs> i think i consume too much fiction <laughs> there's no such thing mm-hmm. as too much anyway so he like takes the guns and the communicators off solo and kirk mm-hmm. and he looks at the communicator and he's like what's this and they're like, don't touch it. And he's like, I'm going to touch it. I, I do love the bit where, where he's like, it beeps because <laughs> they're being signaled. And he's like, what's that? And Kirk's like, what's what? And Sulu's like, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, they're just going to gaslight this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so sad because he's the most hapless, like, just a big dork of a dude. As Because as we see. Yes. So he ends up hitting this communicator and he sends like an emergency signal. And Spock on the ship's like, an emergency signal. We've got to bring him back up. And this guy is bent at the hip, pointing a gun. He's very poised. And he gets zapped onto the Enterprise. And while he's on the Enterprise, he gets put in the transporter room. And he stays in that position for a whole scene where Bones McCoy is like, hey, dude, what you doing? And he's just frozen. And McCoy comes over and like gently and gingerly takes away his gun and his communicator. And it's, it's the best performance I've seen so far. It's so good. Because he looks so shocked and he's doing this really over-the-top like acting. But it's so funny. It's so funny. I think it's so, it's so well done. Like he's frozen the whole time, but when McCoy is taking the gun and the communicator off him, he like... He's staring at McCoy full in the face, maintaining eye contact, mouth open, and 
it's it's beautiful it's one of the most comedic moments of star trek we've seen so far yeah and but i feel like we always laugh when we're watching these episodes but i think this is the one time where we've laughed and they've meant for us to laugh (laughs) i think most of naked time they meant for us to laugh oh yeah that was a fun episode but yeah there's like little moments here and there i think but this was like the first full-on really good job yeah it's it's great and props to that guy whose name i don't know he was great so funny very kind of like monty python-esque like physical comedy like it was really funny he was a real joy to watch he um he later um like (laughs) he's he's so antagonistic initially towards kirk and solo he's he's holding them up with a gun he's like you're under arrest Mm. and then when he's on the ship he's just kind of like so accepting of everything he just watches people come and go from the transporter a guy's like do you want some food and he's like yeah i'd love chicken soup and the guy just um uses one of the replicators to make Mm. chicken soup and he's just like cool it's chicken soup the thing he says is he tastes the soup and then he just goes it is (laughs) (laughs) the most existential way to approach soup we need to talk about the hottest um person on the enterprise that i've seen so far it's the guy in the transporter transporter room. room he's just hot he's this guy he's tall he's muscular he's got blonde hair his hair is done really well um, he's just a really attractive person and like he doesn't have a name and he's um, in a red jumpsuit and you know how I feel about the jumpsuit. I love the engineering jumpsuits. Yeah. They're great. They're so impractical, I would assume, for engineering, but I love them. So fashionable. And this guy was also really hot and I was like, why do I not get to see this guy more often? I'd like to just see what he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, do we need to finish off the fucking plot of this? Anyway, so they like decide to fling themselves around the sun and like they go, oh, we'll go back three days and then we'll hot foot it to the future where we live well they also they return okay so this is one of the weirdest aspects of the time travel mechanic obviously many franchises have different ways of viewing the mechanics of time travel but in this episode and this doesn't really come up in any other example in star trek Mm. but they return both air force personnel to their um, places in time before they saw the Enterprise, before they were beamed up or whatever. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, it fuses them with their historic selves. So... They don't have any memory of what they've seen. No, they, they are totally fused with the person they were before all of that shit happened. And it kind of overwrites history in that the Enterprise was never there to begin with. Yeah. Which kind of begs the question of why they needed to get rid of the information that was stored on the base. Yeah, if they knew that that's what was going to happen. See, I would have... Like, the the most logical way to do that, I think, would be, um, you know, as the previous Captain Christopher John is getting beamed up from his plane, being the old guy, like, down on the ground or whatever. And they'd, you know... Because there'd be two in that timeline, Mm. but that's like the usual way a sci-fi franchise would handle time travel. So it was a very strange way they did it. It was clearly that they just wanted to wrap all of these bits up in a nice, neat little package. With a pretty little bow. Yeah. I'd love to see if like, you know, they had like a, I know that Star Trek doesn't do post-credit scenes. But imagine if there was like a post-credit scene of John Christopher and every night he's plagued with dreams of being on the Enterprise and they're really vivid and it's just memories. 
And then, and then he goes on to create a TV show about the adventures of this spaceship. Yes, bitch. Love that. Yes. <laughs> You've done it. You I've, fixed it. I've done it. <laughs> I fixed the episode. <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to mention is initially, so when they changed their mind about sending Christopher John back to Earth because they're like, he knows too much about the future. We can't let him go back to the past. And the reason that they give for not sending him <laughs> back is they say he made no discernible contribution. And they uh, said that right in front of his face. Right in front of his face. They're like, he doesn't do anything worthwhile, so like, whatever. And this guy, this poor guy who's just being beamed onto a ship, he's sort of like, oh. Yeah. But then they find out that his son is going to make a big contribution <laughs> and he's so happy about it. He looks, he's so happy every time they're like, don't forget about your son who's going to exist soon. And he has this little wry smile. And in my mind... Every time he does that little wry smile where he's thinking about his son, what he's actually thinking about is boning his wife because mm. he loves her. <laughs> he's yeah, like, yeah. can't wait to go and bone my wife. Because uh, this is the 60s and <laughs> and obviously they only have sex for procreation. Mm. So that means he gets to have sex for the third time in his life. Sick! Bam, 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 he's so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Although when was the summer of love? Was that in the 60s? Well, was that Woodstock? Yeah, that was 69. That. 69. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> the rude. <laughs> you've, you've learned too much from me. That's definitely a, a Lucinda kind of bullshit. Uh, Lauren's going to hate that, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, this is a chaotic episode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also short. I don't have anything else to talk about. I do. Yeah, okay, let's go. The fight scene. Oh! <gasps> Oh my god, how could I always forget that? I feel like this is why we need to be taking notes. No, I refuse to take notes because I okay. have to be the dumb bitch of the podcast and yeah. you have to remember shit. Okay, maybe, maybe this is why I should take notes. The labour division is that you know stuff and I edit the podcast. Yeah. This is how we do it. Mm. Um, yes, please explain the fight scene. I forgot that there was another um, interception between the staff of the base and mm-hmm. Kirk. Yeah, because Kirk and Solo have gone down to like sort everything out. They get caught by one guy, but he accidentally gets beamed onto the ship, so <laughs> yeah. that's all fine. Um, then they go into the dark room. Kirk is accosted by three other dudes while Solo <laughs> gets away by transporter. Mm-hmm. Kirk's fighting in this scene is <laughs> really, really good. So good. Um, two guys dive at him at once, and he kind of like rolls beneath them. <laughs> and at another point, he doesn't just attack all three of them. He he just leaps at them like he sideways throws his entire body at them as a weapon so for the listeners imagine like leaping at someone like there are three people coming at you and you leaping at them you're leaping at them and you're vertical right but now imagine you're leaping at them but mid-air you turn horizontal and you become like a a battering ram and you knock all three of them over while your whole body is in the air and horizontal it's incredible. Which and, and I do recall a line in the episode where um, uh, Christopher John says, oh, I see your men are also trained in like physical combat. And like <laughs> with that, with Kirk's move there of just throwing his entire body at his enemies. It's like, what, what martial art is that? What? <laughs> and he keeps chopping people. Like oh, he keeps like... Everyone does. Yeah, everyone who has to go into combat. There's quite a lot of combat in this episode. Mm. They're just chopping the back of people like they knock them over and then they chop them and once they chop them they just pass out yeah another move i really liked from kirk was he um you actually 
get a brief shot of him looking up at the top of a doorway mm. and then as a guy like leaps for his legs I guess he just grabs onto the doorway and like does a pull up and then jumps over another guy who's somehow fallen over <laughs> um, I think what this fight scene was missing was one of the classic Star Trek fight moves, which is a double fist, raise overhead, and then like just slam guy. Cog them on the head with your fists. Yeah, like double fist. I think my favorite moment was when one of the security guys pretended to be passed out and then quickly jumped into life and then wrapped himself around Kirk's ankle um, in a very comedic way. And not quite a fight scene, but um, later on, once they've recovered all the evidence from the base and they've yes. taken Christopher John down with them, he grabs a gun and he's like, you're not taking me up to the spaceship, I'm going to shoot you. And Spock somehow circles around mm. out of a room that doesn't seem to, it shouldn't have any other exit, but he yeah. circles around, appears behind the guy and Vulcan... Vulcan ner- nerves yeah. pinch. Oh, so cool. I love it when he does that. He looks so chill. It looks like a pleasant experience. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I have time problems like staying asleep. Imagine if like I got Vulcan nerve pinched just before I went to bed. I'd have a great sleep. I don't think it's a painful experience. No, it doesn't look very painful. They always look chill. And mm. I don't know how long they stay out for. Sometimes they look frustrated, but they don't look in pain. So if I was a willing participant, like I was like, Spock, knock me out. Mm. Like, I feel like I'd have the best sleep of my life. Well, it doesn't seem to last eight hours, but maybe if you were already inclined to sleep. Yeah, and you just sort of stay that way? I don't know how bodies work. Maybe <laughs> maybe Spock can like time it. Like maybe he thinks in his mind like two minutes and then he pinches him, right? So maybe he could be like eight hours and then pinches you. Bam. Perfect. A girl can dream. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, I, I covered one of my fun facts of the episode at the start, mm-hmm. which was that this was supposed to follow one from the Naked Time. But yes. my other fun fact... <gasps> More than one. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Roger Perry, who played Christopher John, mm-hmm. um, he loved his... Because he, he, he gets a Star Trek... Star Trek? He gets a Starfleet um, uniform. uniform. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking outfit, costume. <laughs> I always struggle with those that collection of words. Mm. Mm, strange. We can't all be perfect. So they, they just give him a Starfleet uniform for some reason. Yeah. And the actor, Roger Perry, loved it so much that he asked if he could take it home. Um, apparently DeForest Kelly, who plays McCoy, mm-hmm. was like, I, I don't think they'd like that, but you could just put it in your bag and they <laughs> wouldn't notice. Um, but he didn't. And apparently he regretted it because Star Trek got real famous. So I ended up doing some research on the shirts of this show, the uniforms, and they're made of velour, which I imagine would be the grossest thing to wear. And part of the like actors union deal was at the end of each day, the, the costumes had to be washed. And the only way that velour can be washed apparently is by dry cleaning and so just over time, the shirts of the main characters just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And apparently, um, what's his face? Who plays Captain Kirk? Shatner. Shatner. Oh, how could I forget? William Shatner. I almost erased his name from my head, but mm. it's now back in there. Tough luck. William Shatner got really self-conscious. He got a bit oh. self-conscious because the shirt was a bit tight. and He was feeling a bit self-conscious. He does have a bit of a tum-tum. A bit of a tum-tum. I, I have... A visceral reaction to the uh, texture of velour and similar materials. I 
hate it mm. so much. I cannot stand it. So mm. I would have hated to be on the set of Star Trek. <laughs> Imagine like a, a tight, a skin tight no. velour oh, dress. God. Like there's no way oh. you can even escape. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> you are just, your, oh. your reaction is disgust. I hate it so much. I can't begin to explain it. I, it's, it's like the sensation I get when I try to eat bananas. You don't like bananas. It's the texture. It makes me gag. Fair enough. I'm trying to think of something else I'm like grossed out by. No, I'm just tough. Deal with it. Wow, you're so cool. Mm, I'm cool and tough. Get with it. I can touch velour. Doesn't freak me out. Oh, jeez. I'll do it while eating a banana. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll eat a banana and, and stroke some velour and uh, I don't know. What's something else that grosses you out? Um, Just like rip a huge fart or something. That's <laughs> not as viscerally unpleasant as those other experiences. It would definitely heighten the unpleasantness of the other two, I imagine, though. Yeah, it would contribute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can just make the mouth sounds that everyone who listens to this podcast loves. Mm, I'm fine with them. Oh, okay. What about cool. spiders? I hate spiders. Mm. I'll do a Billie Eilish and I'll open my mouth and spiders will come out. I don't understand that reference. You don't know Billie Eilish? I know of her. She has a video clip where like spiders come out of her mouth and they're all on the top of her head and she's singing a song. As she is wont to do. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay, hang on. Let's let's take a brief pause while I like scroll through oh the synopsis. God, what is wrong with us today? I don't know. I feel stupid. I thought we were so good at podcasts after last I think episode. we got overconfident yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I just like don't care about the plot of this one. Like I want one that's just like a bit fun. This was just like, oh, I don't care about space time continuum or whatever. I liked this episode and I think it's for the reason that there's a lot of Star Trek episodes where they'll go visit a primitive civilization that they can't get involved with. Mm. But it's usually an alien civilization. And so to go back to this one where the primitive civilization they can't get involved with is Earth is kind of fun. In the present day, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. When this was made. I mean, and, and as I've said, there are other episodes that do that and go back to the quote unquote present day. Mm. But I don't know. I, I, I like it that the humans are the primitive ones. Um, and to go back to DS9. There's okay. There's a fucking amazing episode where they go back to the 1950s Roswell. Um, but the aliens that go back are aliens. They're not humans. Uh-huh. So <laughs> they're like very old, like they've got massive ears and they're like, they look like space goblins. <laughs> um, and it's, it's great. Excellent. So we've got that to look forward to. The other thing we've got to look forward to in terms of time travel is an episode coming up pretty soon called City on the Edge of Forever. Oh, cool title. It's a great title. Mm. Written by famed sci-fi writer Harlan Ellison, who his work I'm sure you are intimately acquainted with. Mm-hmm. I've read every one of Harlan's books. Harlan? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. What did you say? Harlan. Ugh, whatever. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Which And that episode is considered one of the best Star Trek episodes of all time. And I would agree with that assessment. Oh, okay, okay. I think, like, I don't know, I want to, like... DC Fontana, because we stand, mm. you know, women breaking into male-dominated industries. <sighs> I think I just get, like, overwhelmed with, like, these episodes that just have so many plot points. They're like, okay, we're in the past. There's a guy. They bring him on board the ship because his sh- the tractor beam is about to ruin his ship. And then we've got to get him back in time because his son's going to do this probe to Saturn. All right, cool. 
What are we going to do? We've got to destroy the evidence. Oh, shit. Now there's this other guy on board. Who's he? He's some, like, uh, security guard. And now Kirk's been arrested by the people on the base. And he's got to explain why he's there. So now we've got to break Kirk out. And then, oh, no. Now the original guy is, like, holding a gun and refusing to get back on the ship. How are we going to get him back? Oh, we've got to nerve pinch him. All right. Let's get him back on the ship. Mm. All right. The way we're going to get out is we're going to fling ourselves around the sun. We're going to get these guys back. And we're going to get back to our time. Everyone capiche? And I'm like, oh, it's too much. Though you did remember pretty much the whole episode. I remembered it. It was, a bit, it was just a bit sort of like, where? I want those moments of like. Horny computers? Horny computers, I love. I think I just. I want those like interpersonal relationships. And yeah. I want more exploration. Like, those are the moments that get me. When I'm watching Star Trek and they're like exploring a new world, or they're like talking to people, or they're trying to like figure out some sort of like problem between aliens and people like that's cool but the fact is like right from the beginning of the episode they're fucked up somehow and the whole episode is them trying to like fix it and i'm sort of like oh. it just feels like work yeah and i want to like the episodes that i love the most like you know you got the romulans one where they're like oh these guys it's the the, the sad gay space romance and like or when they're going on to the planet the menagerie one what was that one where they're on the planet the, the menagerie it's just called the menagerie yeah yeah, like that one where they're like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, it's a little bit of a mystery. Like, that's kind of cool. But this one, it was just like one problem after another problem. I'm just like, ugh, I'm mm. overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I actually, my thought was that you might like this one more because I recall you saying that certain episodes in which not a lot happened, then it was, um, I'm trying to think of one in particular. The one with the baby alien. The one with the big Ah, uh, the corn might maneuver. Yeah, that was boring. Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess there's some sort of happy medium in between yeah. in which there are those slower moments, which, which makes sense, honestly, because this episode did feel very busy. And I think about our last episode, Arena. That's oh. right, Harry. Such a menace. <laughs> So I think about I think about our last episode, Arena, in which the structure of that episode was really simple. It was they're on the planet, they're in the space chase, mm. then they're in the death fight. Yep. Whereas this one was very back and forth, lots of yeah. little things happening. Um, I think that was a happy medium for me because they have enough of a setup. You kind of know what's going on. You got a cool, crazy alien. It's a bit of fun, but it's not too much. Mm-hmm. This was really busy, and I think. The energy that I went into recording was like, oh my God, how are we going to like fit it all in? And I guess the answer is we're not. <laughs> yeah. Look, we've glossed over a bit. And, and like, as the episode goes on, I keep remembering specific little moments that I want to bring up. Like what? Well, another one is um, when they're waiting for Kirk and Sulu to finish their um, finding the evidence and being back up. McCoy's like, McCoy and Spock are in the transporter room and McCoy's all like, uh, Spock, shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be contacting them and and finding out what's happening uh, uh and spock's like no no it's fine and mccoy gets mad at him and he's like well shouldn't you be doing your communication your, your calculations anyway and spock who is just standing there he's just like l- looking into space he's not using a computer he's like i am <laughs> i'm super smart dude just doing it all in my head the, com- the computations for traveling around the sun and slingshotting back 
into the future. We he's just stress. thinking about it. Yeah, in his head. I love that. Yeah. He's a smart boy. He's so smart. Oh, he's just a good boy. No, oh, he's a oh, good boy. Oh, he's just sparkling. I do love Spark. We yeah. had a couple of good um, one eyebrow raises. Mm. Love him so much. I love, I love Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I think the aforementioned moment had an eyebrow raise. Like, he, he turns to look at McCoy and says, I am doing my computations. And then does his little iconic one eyebrow raise in bemusement. <laughs> So, should we do our ratings? Yeah, let's do it. How many velour uniforms <laughs> out of five <laughs> no. would you give this episode? I would prefer to give things zero velour uniforms, <laughs> but I'll give it three. Because mm-hmm. for me, it had a lot of very amusing moments. Mm-hmm. Horny computer. We Horny stand. computer. The, the, that... Fetching that data for you, dear. Uh, the, the gormless military police dude. Did like him. Yes, correct. The fight scene. Not. Oh, yeah. I want to give it three velour... Um, I keep wanting to say tracksuits. Three velour uniforms out of five just for that fight scene. It was so beautiful and so silly and so funny. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's your final rating, a three. I want to give it like two and a half because I think at the end of it I was just sort of like... Ugh. But... Yeah. You know, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my favorite. Not by a long shot. I mean, I should stress that at this point we are now just going through the episodes that are considered good slash better than the others. But, you know, I, th- I think there's still room for um, dissension from, or dissent from um, the mm. mainstream opinion. Mm. We're not going to be told what to do by a bunch of old fogies. Yeah, we're, we're cool. We're young. We're hip. We're hip. We're with it. Yeah. We're one of the youths. I mean, we totally have the mainstream opinion on Balance of Terror, for example, but whatever. <laughs> that was still our opinion. It was still ours, and that just shows that, like, you know, a broken clock is still right twice a day. Wow, you really... That was a process for you, getting through that one. <laughs> You're so mean to me. I know. This podcast does make it seem like I'm the bully of the friendship here, but... Mm. Dear listener, please know that it's not been that way for the last decade. Much like last episode, I am holding a knife to Ellie. <laughs> it's a bigger knife this time. Yeah. I am the Crocodile Dundee of the podcast. Yeah. And you're the guy that he does the knife thing to. It's not a knife, it's a spoon. <laughs> ah. And on that note... <laughs> oh, you didn't finish the quote. See, you've played knife to spoony before. Yay! That was more of a salad fingers voice, but you know, what are you gonna do? Oof. Oof. Deep cut. Internet deep cut. Alright, bye! Oh my God. <laughs> bye!